Technology.ie. It's Friday, September 18th, 2015. Technology.ie is brought to you by Ireland's premier hosting and domain registration company, Black Knight. Black Knight offer a comprehensive range of hosting and domain solutions for businesses of all shapes and sizes, no matter where they are in the world. This is Conan Wienichon in the Black Knight studio. And today we're going to talk about Ireland's pollinator plan. I'm joined by Dr. Una Fitzpatrick from the National Biodiversity Data Centre in Waterford. Una, you're welcome to the show. Thanks, Una, this week, your organisation and uh, 68 Irish organisations in total came together to produce something called the Pollinator Plan for Ireland. Can you tell us, first of all, why or what is the impetus for this action? The impetus really is that we know pollinators are very important in Ireland. We know they're declining. We know why they're declining. We know what we could do to help. So I suppose it was a case where, you know, you can either sit back and and watch the problem happening or you can try to do something. So the All-Ireland Pollinator Plan was about coming together and trying to put a strategy in place where we would actually take action on this problem. Now, um, as you explained to me earlier, when you talk about pollinators, uh, you're talking about uh, pollinating insects in general, not just uh, bees that are in managed colonies, for example, or in in beehives that are kept by beekeepers. But is this related to this issue of uh, colony collapse disorder that uh, beekeepers have been talking about in Ireland and uh, across the world for some time? I suppose I should just say that, that most pollination in Ireland is carried out by bees, and as you said, there will be some other insects who visit flowers and carry out occasional pollination, but the vast majority of pollination of both crops and wildflowers is carried out by bees. And it's been shown very clearly now that it's not just honeybees that carry out that pollination, it's actually all bees. So within Ireland, we've got the honeybee, and then we have 20 species of bumblebee and 77 species of what are called solitary bee. So if we want to maintain pollination, we need to keep all those 98 species um, healthy and, and with high levels of population. And, and um, what are the issues? What, what is the threat? Uh, first of all, what is the problem the, that's been observed? Yeah, maybe just following on from your last question, yeah. the problem for managed pollinators, the honeybee, is a wee bit different to the problems that wild bees are facing. So as you just mentioned, a big, big problem for managed, honeybee, managed honeybees are pests and diseases. So we've seen things like the varroa mite Pests and diseases tend to be brought in, you know, when bees are imported into Ireland from other countries, they can inadvertently bring in pests and disease with them, as is the case with the varroa mite. So that's a big, big problem for honeybees, and that's something that we try to address in that section of the All-Ireland Pollinator Plan. When you're talking about wild bees, it's a different issue. You know, wild bees are like all of us. They need somewhere safe to live and enough food to feed themselves and their families. And essentially, their problem is that we're not providing them with that anymore in Ireland, yet we still expect them to carry out pollination when we need it. And in other countries, uh, it has been a case with intensive farming, uh, for example. We've all heard about the United States where uh, pollinators, where where bees and beekeepers actually migrate across the country uh, in order to to pollinate crops. And it's it's something that has to be done with artificial help, such as the scale of the intensive farming in that that situation. Here in Ireland, um, farming has relied on, as you said, the free pollination from insects without any human intervention. Is there evidence that that is actually at at risk? We know pollination is worth 53 million a year to the Irish economy, you know, and you can then break that down. So, for example, it's worth 7 million pounds a year, the free service they provide to, to Mm. to the Irish, to the Northern Irish apple industry. 
So it is a huge issue. If we didn't have pollinators, yeah, you would be facing issues. It's very hard for the farmers, the growers, mm. you know, to supply at current levels of demand. If they're not, then what we're seeing as consumers is an increase in price. And, and it's the fruit and vegetables, you know, that are going to be affected. So it is your healthy, balanced mm. diet that's at risk. Your report uh, mentions that, uh, is it a third of the 98 different species are potentially at risk? Yeah, absolutely. I suppose I work in the National Biodiversity Data Centre, so mm. really we manage information on Ireland's wildlife, so we track where species are and how they're changing over time. And we know that of the 98 bee species we have in Ireland, one third are threatened with extinction. So you know, that's a big issue. If we don't address it, that has implications for the amount of pollination service that we're going to be seeing in Ireland. And then that has, that has economic implications. And something that's often overlooked, um, pollinators are obviously very important for crops, but they also pollinate about three quarters of our wild plants. So, you know, if that declines, what you're seeing is drastic changes right across the Irish landscape. You know, we're, we're used to the beauty of the Irish landscape. Mm. That would be affected without pollinators, and that then has big implications for tourism, you know, or for brand and Irish produce abroad. And ecologically, I'd imagine, uh, in terms of and the of habitat. Ecologically, yeah, yeah an enormous knock-on impact, you know, yeah. those yeah. wildfires, flood seeds, and whatever for birds and mammals, so yeah, enormous knock-on impact. Okay, so, so the pollinators and the health and status of pollinators is important. What does your plan propose to address yeah. the situation? Really, the core of the plan is trying to make the Irish landscape more pollinator-friendly. And we've split that into three sections. So we're trying to make farmland more pollinator-friendly, public land, and then private land. So private land would be gardens, but also business properties and things like that. So at the crux of it, it's about trying to take actions, so to take small management actions that would change how we manage the land, that would make it more pollinator-friendly. So basically, you know, to give our bees and other pollinators a chance uh, that's the core of the plan. That would then be supported by various other actions. For example, awareness raising. We're quite keen, you know, Antashka Green Schools have been very supportive and we want to try to get pollinators, you know, incorporate within that program and into curriculums more, both at primary, secondary and also tertiary, you know, horticultural and agricultural colleges. Another part of the plan then is trying to support beekeepers and growers, you know, as we already touched upon the importation of bees and, and, and inadvertently bringing in pests and diseases an issue there that needs to be addressed other issues in research. And then I think it's very important, if I could just say, you know, we didn't want this to be a plan that sits on a shelf or that ticks a box. We wanted it to be a plan that was actually working. And the only way we'll know if it's working is if we're seeing increases in the numbers and diversity of bees within the Irish landscape, both honeybees and wild bees. So that's a big, big part of the plan is actually tracking what's happening and seeing if we are making a positive impact mm. as we start implementing the 81 actions in, in the All-Ireland All Plan. Who will track that, Una? That will be the National Biodiversity Data Centre. And, you know, I suppose people have said to us, well, why did you wait until now to come out with this? And, you know, we thought very, very carefully about the time and often we wanted there to be various, I suppose, balls in place before we felt that, that the time was right. You know, we wanted there to be enough public perception of the problem. We wanted there to be enough research globally that we knew the best management solutions to suggest. And more importantly, we actually wanted there to already be a system in place that we could track changes and so that we could show the plan being successful. So that bit will be done by the National Biodiversity Data Centre. And since 2011, we've had a bumblebee, an all-Ireland bumblebee monitoring scheme running. And within that scheme, volunteers, it's a citizen science initiative, volunteers sign up and they agree to walk a one to two fixed route um, and record the bumblebees that they see. And, you know, we've got a big network now of those people across the country. We want to try and expand that as part of the plan. And then, you know, it's that kind of scientifically collected rigorous data 
that we'll use to tell us actually what's happening, particularly with wild pollinators in the landscape, as the actions are implemented. So if if um, if if the actions aren't uh, having effect, or if indeed they are having effect, you'll be able to uh, adjust and yeah. and modify your strategy accordingly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, we wanted it to be a dynamic plan. Yeah. Mm. So in that respect, and also actually, sixty-eight organisations have signed up to support it. You know, we, that's not a closed list. Mm. We'd hope that more would come on board. You know, as we move forward. And and, and what kind of groups have got a, have come on board? Una, what how would you know? What kind of different stakeholders are are involved yeah. in this? You know, I would say that we've been totally overwhelmed by the amount of support that we've had for the plan. And so you've got Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Department of Agriculture and Rural Development in Northern Ireland, Chagas, Gordbia, Northern Ireland Environment Agency, Antashka, you know, all the beekeeping associations, Erin National Trust, RSPB, Tidy Times, Ulster Farmers Union, you know, Waterways are it's a, it's a huge list right across the board. In a nutshell, is it is it a case? Would you describe it that it is mostly about the the food supply? That it's about wildflowers and diversity of wildflowers and their availability to pollinator species. I suppose if you had to sum up in one sentence, why wild pollinators and, and also honeybees mm. actually are are facing a threat, it is that lack of food within the landscape. So mm. yeah, we have tagged onto that because that is a major issue. You know, sometimes the media pick up on pesticides. Or on the disease issue, yeah, they're very important, but actually at the crux of it, there simply isn't enough food within the landscape to support our pollinators. So we want them to be there in May or June when we've got apples or strawberries that need pollinated. But you have to remember, you know, they need food right throughout the year. It's like asking us to do work, but we'll only feed you in August. Where You know, it, it doesn't make sense if you think about it. So we need to make sure that there's food for pollinators right throughout the season. Spring in particular, actually, is a really difficult time for pollinators. Wild pollinators come out of hibernation. They need huge amounts of food sources to get their colonies established for the year. And it's been shown that a queen bumblebee needs to visit six thousand flowers a day just to get wow. the energy she needs to maintain the first, you know, to to, to hatch that first brood of eggs. Right. So, like that is a huge amount, you know. And if if we're not providing that, then you can't expect them to be there then when when we happen to need them. So is it about is it about people um, you know cutting cutting lawns and uh, um, yeah. and and cutting grass verges and things like that? Is it, does it boil down to something as simple as that? And again, you know, in certain cases when you're talking about roadsides, there are issues of public safety and things like that as well. Are there not? Uh, I suppose the, fir- the first part of your question, yeah, it is as simple as that. You know, in a way, that's the fortunate thing mm. that we know what the problem is, we know how to solve it. It's not a huge. Thing that you're asking anyone to do it's the fact that so many of us have to get behind it and do it mm. and it is something as simple as that you know in a farm it's about having a really good quality hedgerow that you let flower in spring you know maybe in public land it's about not mowing areas so much so that more wildflowers can grow and in your own garden it's about doing the same in answer to your second question public obviously health and safety is going mm. to take precedence in all cases but there are situations you know where We've become a bit obsessed with tidying up the landscape, to be honest. Yeah. And I yeah. think we we need to move away from that. You yeah. know, it's not it, it's just a public perception that we've got used to. You know, we sanitise it a lot, mm. and we need to change that. It's just not sustainable. You know, and and we need to address that. So if we want nature to work as nature is supposed to, and we want mm. the services that it provides, which I think we do, you have to accept that. You know, we might have to change how we manage the land a wee bit differently. 
and is is it enough perhaps to to let hedgerows and and verges uh, flower uh, on their own or i mean traditionally they talk about um, traditional meadows for example used to be full of different species um, now grass grassland and and hay and silage producing land is managed very much as a monoculture and doesn't quite have the same um, the same uh, level of, of of variety of species uh, would we need to to even address that as well do you think yeah, absolutely, and, and that's another action in the plan, actually, where we wanted to try and increase the amount of species-rich meadow. Mm. Um, so you're right, and if, if, if I had to be frank, I'd say this plan will be won or lost in terms of the amount of changes that we can make in the agricultural landscape. So, you know, on all farms, there are things that you can do, mm. like you just said, you know, hedgerows and maybe just letting wildflowers grow around the farm or, or trying to put in some nesting habitat for pollinators. Those are things that anyone can do. And then on specific farm types, there are things that you can do. Maybe if you've got an intensively managed grassland, you know, you can put in more clover crops and things, which which are fantastic for, for bees especially. So there are things that you can do. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Trying to get more species-rich meadows into the landscape would, would have a huge impact. And and I presume you have buy-in from from uh, farmers' organisations and that as well. Obviously, they have a responsibility here and and they have a an ability to contribute. But they're also likely to be beneficiaries of of the healthy uh, pollinator population. Yeah, do you know that that's a crucial point, and it's not about trying to green the landscape. And and I would say that sometimes people who work on the environment they they don't get across the message very well, and I think that's part of the problem. And mm. it's also mentioned in the plan that we want to produce really clear guidelines for the farming community on what they can do. So I would say that. But yeah, no, absolutely. It's about trying to improve the situation for farmers moving forward. You know, you might be a dairy farmer and that's where the money is and that's mm. absolutely understandable. But you know, there's no way of knowing how the situation's going to change. You don't know what's going to be the most profitable way to use that land in the future. And it may well be a pollinator dependent crop. But if you've not taken action to make sure that pollinators exist even at a low level within your farming system, you know, they won't be there in the future. So, you know, we, we, it's just like future-proofing how the land can be used for generations to come. You don't have to take big actions. It's a small number of actions, but just by taking them, it keeps up sustainability in the system. And, yeah, you know, that's what it's all about, really. Are you optimistic, uh, Una, that these small actions will be effective? Do you know, we've been totally overwhelmed by the amount of support for the plan and actually the amount of, of media coverage that it's got since, since it was released yesterday. So I... I, I would be very optimistic. You know, there's such widespread support. I think if we can get those actions implemented right across the landscape, as I said, a big part of this is tracking whether it's working or not. And, you know, and if it's not, we'll have to face up to that. But what we want to do is create an online sort of interactive map where people can go in and, and log the actions that they're taking. You know, be it a farmer or a, someone who's managing a road margin yeah. or, or your own garden. So you'll be able to go in and log the actions that are taken. So hopefully once that system is up and running in the spring, we'll be able to see pollinator habitat being created across Ireland. So we'll be able to track if that's happening. And then, as I said, we'll be able to track if that's having an impact on, on pollinator numbers. But I would say, you know, for us, that's a crucial part of the plan. This is not about just ticking a box. We, we want this to be something that works. And if it's not, we'll have to address why it's not and, and make changes. Where can people find out more? You can go onto the website uh, www.biodiversityireland.ie. You'll see a link there to the pollinator plan. If you go in there, you'll, you'll see the plan itself and then various bits of information associated with it. Dr. Una Fitzpatrick from the National Biodiversity Data Centre, thanks for talking to us on the show.